together because uh, you all know better that I'm broken just like you are. And, and I was reminded as we enter into this series, and that's why we, we, we called it that. Man, we, we all have stories of dysfunction and pain and woundedness and even maybe blessing as well. But at the end of the day, uh, it reveals as we look at each other and we walk with one another in life and we look at those around us, we're reminded of this tension, the tension we all feel oftentimes maybe as like, man, family, why bother? It's challenging. It's hard. It's not the easiest thing. And so I'm excited as we enter in to this series, as we journey through the book of Genesis, starting here in Genesis chapter one today, and engage with many of the major stories uh, within um, uh, Genesis to see our families and both the human side of things today as we look at Adam and Eve in our humanness, but also in our faith as we look at stories like Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph. And what we're going to discover is the source of God's uh, blessing. Also, uh, man, affirmation on humanity and, and, and the power to change through the gospel and to overcome dysfunction. Amen. Anybody else want to overcome the dysfunction in their lives? Yeah, absolutely. Me. Uh, we got a lot to overcome, but what we're going to see throughout the series is that, yes, while we all are broken, there is hope. There's always hope. And ultimately, the hope always comes back to the gospel in Jesus Christ as we look at the stories within Scripture. And uh, today, as we look at the first human beings in Adam and Eve, I want to I just wrestle with some stuff this morning. So I want to wrestle with, at the end of the day, who are we? Who are we as humans? we got to start there. And, and what does who we are have to do with our relationship with God and other people? So we have to start with who we are, and then when we find out who we are, we have to figure out what that looks like as our relationship with God and others, vertical and horizontal, together. And we're going to be starting in Genesis chapter 1. I want you to see today, at the end of the day, when all is done, and I've said everything, is God designed humanity for dignity. God created and designed humanity for Dignity, and we're going to see that play out in our text today. But where, like, where does that dignity come from, and how does it show up in who we are? And as we answer these questions, we're going to see that that, that our, our identity or our dignity is found in our identity and our distinction and our function that God gives us. God actually gives us in our create while we're created. Let me just look at a couple ways, uh, the way that we're designed as human beings for dignity. If you look with me in Genesis chapter 1, starting in verse 26, in the creation story, we look and see the creation of human beings as God breathes life, as he creates human beings. We see there how we have dignity as God decrees humans to have dominion. And the first thing in the verse 26, look with me as we read it together. Then God said, let us... Make man in our own image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all of the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. You see here, the very first thing is the way we have dignity is that God gives and decrees us human beings to have dominion. So God here, he, he designed humanity for dignity and he's created us and he's given us a dignity in our dominion. It's amazing as you look at it, God speaks to our relationship with God and our relationship with the rest of community, with creation, excuse me. It's found in our identity. 
We find this in the first verse, in verse 26. So we're here, if you're reading beforehand, if you were reading Genesis chapter one, you finally get to, to verse 26, you're, you're caught up here at this point in the story of creation as God is speaking things into being. I just love this story. It's one of my favorite stories in all of scripture. When you start from the beginning, showing the power of God, that God is speaking and things are coming into existence, that the power of the word of God is substantial. And we see that all the way throughout scripture. It starts in Genesis 1, we see in, in John chapter 1, and the word become flesh and dwelt among us. At the end of the Bible, you read that Christ is coming back, he's going to be riding a white horse, and there's going to be a sword out of his mouth, as it says in Revelation, which is the word of God. And the word of God is powerful. Not only the, the greatest example that we have, the word of God, which it says is living and active, it's powerful. And here we see it on full display in Genesis chapter one, as God is speaking. And everything that he says and he commands just comes to be before him. It's pretty amazing if we used our, our, our imagination to express and see what is actually happening. And here on the sixth day, we get the account where God has been speaking creatures to fill the land into existence. So we hear all kinds of livestock and animals and creeping things. But then in a moment, when you would think there would be um, some other thing happen, we get a pause and it says then, and God makes a significant comment here, then let us make a man in our image after our likeness. This is profoundly significant in who we are as human beings. And there's been a lot of different discussion over the years and a lot of scholars and commentators debating at the end of the day what this plural us is, make man in our image. And we would say that it's in the image of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's in the very beginning, tipping its hand and showing and professing of the Trinitarian God that we serve, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But at the end of the day, the text clearly depicts God as an inward plurality and an outward singular, our image, his image. So in verse 26, it says, let's make man in our image. In verse 27, it says, his image. See, at the end of the day, he, he's showing here the point of this is a declaration and a highlight to the special relationship between God and his specific creation being humanity. That there's nothing else in all of the creation story that speaks of any other thing, any other being, any other uh, species that is made in the image and likeness of God. That is given to us specifically as human beings, and it changes a lot. It gives us dignity and then therefore gives us dominion to move forward in the name of Jesus as man or humankind is to be created in our image after our likeness. The two terms here are significant, image and likeness. First, it talks about this term image. In this case, he's talking about here, humanity represents God himself. The human beings are not compared to any other created species, that they're unique in this, that we are in the image of God. Uh, it's fascinating when you read in ancient Near Eastern texts, there would be a, this image of kings at the time would be said to be in, they would be in the name, they would be called in the image of God, both Egyptian and Mesopotamian um, societies would, would, would call the king or some other high-ranking official, they would be called in the image of God. 
So this, this designation was, however, only given to the king at the time. It wasn't given to maybe the, the lower people on the totem pole, the person who's digging a ditch or the mason or whoever. It was only given to the king, the high person, in the image of God. But what's fascinating and amazing about the God we serve is that God, at the end of the day, in Genesis chapter 1, he, he's using royal language to, disca- to describe Man, humanity as a whole, but in the eyes of God, what's fascinating and amazing is that mankind is royal. All of humanity is related to God. It's not just some king or some pastor or some prophet, but every person in the room today, you are made in the image and likeness of God, and it matters. It's significant. It's not just some people and some aren't. We'll get to this in a moment. But man, when we get down that road, it's dangerous. But at the end of the day, God says unilaterally, all of us, humanity is made in the image and likeness of God. We're royalty. It's pretty amazing. And being made in the image of God is to say that all of us as human beings are given this representative dignity and royal significance of God himself. We are created to represent and reign for God. And this is the Genesis story. What's fascinating to me? In Revelation, what does it say one day we're going to do with God if we are in Christ? We are going to rule and reign with God. And you see, at the end of the day, what Christ does in the middle of all of that, Adam and Eve were created perfect to represent and reign for God in his likeness, in his image. And they also messed it up, and we as humanity have messed it up, and there's a sin problem. We've fractured our relationship with God, and now we're in this in-between. But one day, we're going to go back to an Eden state. That's what Christ did for us, and it will be fulfilled one day to where we are now again ruling and reigning, representing God for all of eternity. It's pretty amazing stuff. When you look at the totality of Scripture, the term likeness is this further development of what it means to be in the image of God, that we would resemble God the way that, the, that we would bear his image. So one commentator said this, the first word then suggests that human beings will physically represent God in the living and, and, and lively way that contrasts with a regular divine image. The second word, the likeness of God, word suggests that we would be God-like in the way we do so. So yes, we're, we're created in the image of God, but also in likeness that we would actually carry out our representation, carry out our way that we live in the way that God would actually do it. The point is, is that mankind is appointed as God's royal representatives. You as, a, as an image bearer of God are, are a royal representative to rule the earth in his place, even more so as a follower of Jesus. So the image of God, the imago Dei, if you will, Theological term is a depiction of our representing and ruling under God. The God, it says, gives us dominion. This is an amazing thing. Over every created thing, fish and birds and livestock and over every creeping thing. And our dominion is not not harsh. It's not this totalitarian, excuse me. It's a fun word to say when you're in front of hundreds of people. It's not an exercise of, of this overbearingness. No, it's care. Like God does for us, that God is our example. Ultimately, Christ is our example, that, that there's this, this care and stewardship. 
That in the image of God, we exercise dominion. It reflects this amazing principle that we have to, to, to enter into the created order and have compassion, not to exploit, but also the opposite, that we would love well and have dominion well over all that God has given us to steward. And what's amazing is that this verse, verse 26, opens up our understanding of who we are as human beings. At a base level, all of humanity is made in the image and the likeness of God. And it's a, it's a stunning, amazing reality. It's the, it's the baseline where we have to start. No human being that you see in the world today, I don't care what you think of them or what they believe or how they function at the end of the day, we are not. No human being is the scum of the universe because we're made in the image and likeness of God. There's no human being in all of creation, no matter what we think of them, at the end of the day, that God looks down and says, man, I want to squash them under my boot. No, because we are made in his image and likeness, and it connects us as well together. That we're created in his image. All of creation, God gave this immense dignity value he made as being his royal representatives. And furthermore, man, this, this royal representation, it gives humanity the stewardship of all that he made, that we, we bear his image and we rule well in his place. We resemble him well, but it also connects us well together. Think about what it means for human dignity. Humanity, all humanity bears royal dignity. I'll tell you, Someone in this place, I promise you, or someone watching online today may not think that they have dignity. They might not think well. You might not think well of yourself. You might think that, man, God doesn't look down on me with very much love. I, I don't have anything that, that, is, that is in me worth lovable, loving. Or, 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 man, for me, at the end of the day, I don't think I, I should be a part of anything. At the end of the day, can I tell you, no matter who you are here today or watching online, you are loved and you are made in the image and likeness of God. And that makes you valuable. The beautiful picture of all of scripture when you continue on is that you are so loved that God didn't leave us in our brokenness even as we are made in the image and likeness of God, but we screwed up as a humanity and we sinned, we fractured our relationship. We are so valued that the son, the, 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 the second part of the Trinity gave up all of his rights and came down and gave his life for us because we're so valued. He loves us that much. And I just want you to know, no matter who you are today, in, in this place or online, you have value because it comes from God and it comes from no person. You're not valuable because someone loves you or doesn't love you on this earth. You're not valued because you have a lot of friends or a lot of money on this earth. You are valued because you are made in the image and likeness of God and he loved you so much he sent his son to die for you. That's where it comes from. My identity comes from that place and what's beautiful is our identity ties us together. So I just wanna challenge us a little bit. At the end of the day, as we walk through uncertain times and we're interacting with people that may not look like us, believe like us, be in the same camp as us or tribe as us, Every person you interact with, whether it's your neighbor, your ex, a person in a different party, every person that you interact with is loved by the God of the universe and made in the image and likeness of God, and therefore they have dignity. May we in uncertain times be reminded of that. Because oftentimes what happens as you talk about dysfunction and broken relationship, 
It comes from us not loving and giving dignity, not showing grace to those who are around us that are much different than us. But as you continue in verse 27, it says God designs humans with distinction. So this is where we'll get into a little even of modern day thought. Look what it says in verse 27. He creates us with distinction. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. As a result of God's decree, he then goes on to action here, and he creates. He does what he says in verse 27. And here we find the first poem in the Bible. It's this amazing poem that consists of three Hebrew lines, and it highlights two significant realities. You see the first two lines in this poem in the beginning where it says this, this structure. It's, almost, it's what you call an inverted repetition. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. And what he's saying here is that all human beings are made in God's image. All human beings are made in his image. The term man here is inclusive to all human beings. It's not, it's not saying male or female in here. And he's saying at the end of the day that biblical anthropology, there's no argument or confusion that every human being is an image bearer, regardless of anything else. So at the baseline of humanity, he's saying all humanity is made in his image and likeness, but at the same time, we share this unity in that we are made in the image and likeness of God. But then third, he speaks to the distinction. He says at the beginning, yeah, God created man in his own image. You see what I say there at the very beginning? In the beginning, he says, hey, let's create man in our image. And then when it says he actually creates, he says his image. And here he says he creates them, but then he says, how does he create them? He created them male and female. You see here, he creates them with distinction. We as humanity are created with distinction within the unity of image bearers and the dignity of it. He created us with unique distinction here. And he's talking on at the end of the day, identifying us as our sex, our gender as male and female. And the emphasis grammatically points to the, to the created action. He created them. God did this. He, he willed this in all of his perfection. I love when you read of all of the creation story. God is creating. He said, man, I'm, he, he created, and it was good, and it was good, and it was good. And the first time God says it wasn't good was when man was alone. And, the, and, and after God creates and brings Eve in this special, amazing story, and Adam, is after he's looking for a spouse, that's a fun story to read in Genesis, and all of the animals, and he's going down the road, and he's like, donkey, nope, it's not working for me. Um, zebra, nope, that's not it. And he's going through naming all of the animals, and finally, you hear it in his voice when you read it. He says, this, at last, is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. And after God has done, created all of that, he's the first time that God said, this is very good. You see, at the end of the day, that's where all men should have said amen, by the way. <laughs> you see, see, this is what, what, what's happening is that God, while he creates us in his image and his likeness, he also creates us with gender the way that he created us. Human species, all in the image and likeness of God, into two equal yet distinct genders, male and female. And, and you see, at the end of the day, while there's a lot of cultural confusion in our day uh, to, to try to 
walk in this or maybe even change this. The, the authority of scripture is clear that from God, God didn't make a mistake. God created human beings as image bearers, equal in value, equal in dignity, yet the same at the same time, excuse me, yet at the same time, distinct in genders, male and female. At the end of the day, it's, it's a beautiful thing that God did. And if you go back, at the end of the day, in a moment, what we'll get there is that we are not able to fulfill our mandate to be fruitful and multiply outside of what God created. He did it perfectly from the beginning. All of humanity, perfectly equal before God's eyes, made in the image and likeness, yet in role and distinction, different as male and female. That's the, the, the word of God and the way that God started. That's who we are as humanity. Uh, one of the, the fun ways maybe to see uh, dignity and distinctions is to think about the created world and particularly maybe just pick out something like flowers, right? At the end of the day, for most flowers are relatively the same um, and you don't want to oversimplify, but at the sake of illustration, flowers have stems and buds and petals, right? And some of us might like roses, some of us like lilies or tulips, but at the end of the day, with a variety of different petals, at the end of the day, we still have dignity and glory. At the end of the day, we're all flowers. Some of us have thorns, and some don't, but some of us are, are created differently. But at the end of the day, we're all made in the image and likeness of God, yet distinct in our roles. A lily is different than a rose, and the rose is different than a dandelion. We chop those down. At the end of the day, we're made in the image and likeness of God, all same in value, but distinctly different in the eyes of God because the way that God created. God designed human species, two distinct genders, male and female, dignifying and affirming both, honoring both of them. And rather than us trying to change what God did, living within the, the context of what God has. And I'll be honest with you, some people may, may be upset that I've said what the word of God says that we're mean-spirited or unloving. However, at the end of the day, the word of God is clear. This is the way that God created humanity. And any attempt, I'll just say, for us to elevate human dignity without God, without God in the picture, reduces or, or denigrates some humans and elevates others. Because at the end of the day, God creates all equal. And every attempt for us to redefine or reshape humanity and identity is one we're lifting up one while tearing down another. And when we place God back into the picture as creator and see him the way that he designed with distinctions, we completely dignify every human being that is made in the image and likeness of God. There is no distinction. All are equal. Human sexuality and gender is his design and we worship him because of it. I'll just say, we as a church, we affirm, at the end of the day, equality of men and women in value and dignity, but also in distinction of genders and their roles. So man, we, we, we lift up and value women in this place, amen? We lift up and value women and men. We should celebrate our uniqueness and differences and purposes and how God has brought us together as one in Christ for amazing purposes with unique roles and, and purposes and distinctions. And our job is not to raise up one gender over the other, but rather see us as together, made in the image and likeness of God with unique 
roles that God has given. So we deny um, the elevation of one gender over the other, but see as God does uniquely and affirm the dignity of both men and women, affirming their distinctive roles as well as how they complement one another and what Christ has called us to do. That God has called us and, and designed us with distinction, each having value. And I'll tell you that when we get in the way of what God has designed, that's when things go sideways. That at the end of the day, God is God and he knew exactly what he was doing. He knew exactly how to, to, to create perfectly. And when we as humanity, over and over again, you'll see when we get in the way of the way that God designed things to be, we oftentimes goof them up. And I'm not just talking about whatever you might think in your mind. I'm talking about when we, when we elevate men over women in value, we goof things up. When we, when we elevate women over men in value, we goof things up. So we deny that the, the, the elevation of either and see both men and women created as image bearers of God, uniquely distinct in their roles, equally loved, equally seen as valuable before the God of the universe and ourselves. Amen? And when we get in the way of that, we, 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 we mess things up. We, we get sideways as we try to be God rather than taking God at his word and what he sees for us. But I love the, the last part, the last couple of verses. Not only does he create us for dominion, he also creates us for duty. God directs human duty. If you look with me in verse 28, and God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish in the sea, over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of the earth and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food and to every beast of the earth and every bird of the heavens and to every, uh, everything that creeps on the earth and everything that has breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw everything that he made and behold, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning, the sixth day. God directs human duty as we move forward, that from God's actions of creating human beings with dignity in his image, in Genesis chapter one, he reveals God's blessing as image bearers and direct them to what is known as the cultural mandate, that we are to rule. We have a responsibility. In verse 28, God blesses humanity in their dignifying responsibility and vocation. And as royal representatives of the God of the universe, bearing his image, human beings are then called to create and cultivate and go out. Did you know that God is the most creative being there ever was? That's why I love creativity and the way we create as human beings because we're made in his image and likeness. And God, as he calls us to go out, calls us to create and cultivate and move forward with a purpose. And at the bare minimum, yes, we have a purpose in Christ to go therefore and make disciples. And at the end of the day, there's a reason why it can be said in scripture to whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Because even as I'm working, even as I'm a business person, even as I'm a a lawyer or a doctor, I'm doing all of it to the glory of God in what God has given me in a creative purpose, even at the baseline as an image bearer to move forward 
and the kingdom of God, that God does not see humanity as some rivalry and wants to limit their size. On the opposite, humanity is a representation of God. His glory should be multiplied and multiplied throughout his image bearers. It's necessary, and the distinction of gender is required for the fulfillment of God's mandate. How are we to be, this is how scripture, it's building on each other. How are you to be fruitful and multiply outside of what God has called us to be as image bearers and unique in our gender? See, he starts there and then he says, go out and be fruitful and multiply. But human beings are are to create more than just other human beings. It says we're supposed to fill the earth. Yes, but we're, we're supposed to subdue the earth. And he's, here he's talking in the word subdue. It's linked with us having dominion over all of creation and what he's presented before us. In Genesis chapter 2, in the next chapter, in verse 15, he, he goes on to say to Adam, he's commanding Adam to work and to keep the garden. I hate to tell you, but work was a part of life before the fall. It's not because Adam, we can't look back at Adam and be like, every morning when I have to wake up at 6 a.m., we're like, I don't like Adam. And I got to work. If we would have never messed up, I'd have just woken up every day and just floated through life and swung by Starbucks and went on and took a stroll and, and went out on the lake and life would have been great, right? No, work was a part of the equation before Adam fell. That, that us having dominion in the earth to rule and reign, to subdue the earth was part of the equation as image bearers of God moving forward. It says to cultivate, to protect, to flourish. That's what this term is relating to. That we as image bearers, human beings, are to culture, to create culture and, and to be people that are coming up and working with technology and human and plant and animal and bird and, and, and all the different things in life in all created aspects moving forward to help it flourish, to subdue and have dominion over the earth. I just even compel you as you go about your day. Yes, we have a purpose and a plan to make disciples as our our number one thing, to love God and then go therefore and make disciples. But even I can tell you there's purpose in the way that you're living every single day as you go and create and work. That's why at the end of the day, art and music and all the things we do every day have significance. They're not just secondary things. That God is a God who creates and he calls us to do the same specifically, I would say, even in the church. And in verses 29 and 30, affirm that the provision is from God, that all created beings are supplied with food and sustenance. That at the conclusion of the chapter, God stands, he's viewed as the one who creates and he identifies at the end of the day, it is very good. He's saying at the end of the day, the quality And the excellence of all that he has made is supreme. Do you believe that? That the quality in everything that God has created in you and the things around you is supreme. That humans stand as the highest pinnacle of all of God's best creation. That I just want you to look around. Look at the person next to you right now. I know, I love it's awkward. Just look right at him. Do you know that that the person next to you it is the supreme creation that God created. Above everything else, the person next to you, when you look in the mirror, is that we are the, 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 the beings, the human beings that God created above everything. And with that, not only comes value, but comes responsibility. For us as representatives and as, as 
people that move forward the kingdom of God in God's name. The point at the end of the day is God giving humanity specific roles and purposes as image bearers on this earth as part of our dignity to live as image bearers on the earth. So we as image bearers have have this amazing responsibility of dignity, of caring for and cultivating and flourishing on the planet of all life within it. So I love, at the end of the day, we as human beings, we don't just sit back. We enter into the world. We're involved in all the things of exploration and discovery and science and conversation and technology and all these different things because we have this God-given directive of forming arts and literature and music and history and rhetoric and all of those things because we're a part of the creation. We're, we're, we're part of the process that God has given us dominion over the earth to walk the earth and walk with other human beings. And at the end of the day, human dignity is promoted by God himself. It's given to us as image bearers. So we should celebrate and work towards honoring and building human families and fathers and mothers and loving each other and children well. We should strive at the end of the day, labor for our marriages, for our, for our other relationships. At the end of the day, we should chase after our family and, and, and the Lord. At the end of the day, to create biblical homes because God at the end of the day is calling us to have dominion and to cultivate. And at the end of the day, I love that you and I should be applying ourselves to, to the culture of the world around us. I just want to tell you, God has not created you to give your life to Jesus and then sit back at the end of the day in some place protected from the world around you and not be involved in the world around you to create and cultivate. We as the church should be the most creative place in all of the world because we serve and worship in this place the most creative being in the universe, in the world, God himself. And as we represent him well, and we should enjoy these things, at the end of the day, we should be the people that are most concerned about taking care of the earth. We've been called to have dominion over it. And we're following the God who's called us to say, have dominion and subdue it and rule over it. As followers of Jesus, while the rest of the world is, yes, made in the image and likeness of God, we've committed our lives to that God. We've committed our lives to Jesus. So what does it look like for us to be all, all in and even taking care of the world around us and Man, I'll just call us at the end of the day, the greatest of all of that is the stewardship of all humanity, the people you have in your lives day in and day out. I just want you to hear today that as we start from the very beginning, as humanity, you yourself, us, we are made in the image and likeness of God, and it matters. It matters for all the reason we've talked about, but it also matters at the end of the day because we have a great purpose. So I love when you read in the New Testament, when it says that you gave your life to Jesus, what many people today are going into the waters of baptism, baptism and doing and declaring that they've given their life to Christ. What does it say when you give your life to Christ, when you're all in with Jesus, you place your faith and trust in him, what does it say? You are a new what? You're a new creation in Christ Jesus. And going forward, we have a special purpose as image bearers, as uniquely made in the image and likeness of God, and then new creations in Christ Jesus to move forward and have dominion over the earth and move forward as God's representatives on the earth. And man, God, throughout all of scripture, as his image bearers, have been looking for two things. He's been looking for relationship, or not looking for, he's been calling for relationship and representation. He's still doing the same thing today with us. 
That we may have the first part well done. We, we've placed our faith and trust in Jesus, the God of the universe, who is there at the beginning creating all things. And at the end of the day, we've pushed in, we've become followers of Jesus, but then he's also looking for representation. As image bearers, we've placed our faith and trust in Christ. We're just called to go out and be his representatives in the world, making a case for the Lord as Jesus embodies all of this at the end of the day. What does it look like for us to leave this place today, to go on into a world where not everyone is seen with human dignity? Not everyone is seen as equally valuable? Where one, one, one is lifted up above the other? And what does it look like for us to leave this place representing the Lord and having dominion and, and subduing the earth while following Jesus, going therefore to represent him in the world. And I call us as the church that we need to be the people on the front lines as we know and understand what we just talked about, that we are made in the image and likeness of God. In a time like this, what does it look like for us to move forward, seeing every person in the image and likeness of God equally valued, maybe different in roles? What does it look like the way that we interact with people and treat people? Just a couple of weeks ago, we talked about uh, um, uh, Sanctity of Life Sunday. There's a reason why we stand up for all human beings, pre-birth and post-birth. That, that there's a reason why we see them all uniquely valuable because they're made in the image and likeness of God. Today, what does that look like for you to interact, to step in, to be active in that role? To see people in the image and likeness of God and not just posting on your social media feed that you're for something, but actually doing something that might cost you money. It might cost you finances or time or, or, or relationship to step in because people are still made in the image and likeness of God after they're born as much as they are before they're born. And we as the church are called to step into that, to come alongside, to shepherd, to love well, so as the Spirit of God is moving you, I'm gonna call the, van, the band to come out and we're gonna finish our service with a song. And I want us just to sit for a moment. What does it look like for you? If you bow your head, close your eyes, I'm gonna pray. What does it look like for us today to stand in the reality that we are made in the image and likeness of God today? Maybe for you, it presses into you in the way that we interact with other people that we don't like, we don't have value for. We don't see as good to say, man, God, you created them in the image and likeness. They have a distinct value because they're in your image. Also, maybe for us today, you're walking into this place and you don't feel like you're valuable. You don't feel like you have any worth. And I just wanna challenge you. I just want you to know today that in this place that you have value and worth before a God because you're made in his image and his likeness. You're loved, not because of someone else loving you, but because the God of the universe loves you and he gave his life for you. What does it look like for us to leave this place, to go on into a world that often values one over the other and engages us all kinds of things. And God is looking for us to be his human representatives, to walk the earth, to have dominion over the earth in the name of Jesus. So God, we come to you today. And God, I just want to thank you that we are twice blessed. 
We are your people made in your image and likeness. Additionally, God, not only that, we are new creations in you, Christ Jesus. And God, I ask that you would take us from this place today, seeing the world different in the sense that all of the people we interact with in life are beautiful before you because they're made after you. May that be the compelling feature, God, that we see the world around us differently. It may be the compelling feature that sends us out, that pushes us out to go, that they might also be twice blessed, not only made in your image and likeness, but also new creations in Christ Jesus. May it compel us, Lord, to step out to our neighbors, to our coworkers, to our friends, to our family, to engage them with the gospel, the only thing that is able to recreate us in Christ Jesus will take us back to that perfect Eden state one day. As we leave this place, Lord, today, if nothing else, may our minds and our hearts see the world around us differently, and may we acknowledge you as the perfect creator who made everything perfect and unique, just as it is for your divine purpose. May we trust in that, Lord, today as we leave this place. It's in Jesus' powerful name. Amen.